Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to the primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters that are relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. Some positive news for farmers is there are proposed changes to the stock exclusion zones and the low slope map, which I support and common sense has prevailed in this area. These changes to the Essential Freshwater Programme will come as a relief to many farmers. The government has listened and changed the stock exclusion trigger from a 10 degree slope to a 5 degree slope and introduced an altitude limit. That means if the area of an extensive farming operation is at a certain altitude or and above 5 degrees slope, it will not be required to be fenced. This is a good example of farmers and industry communicating on unworkable policy changes and in this instance a more workable solution for farmers has been achieved. Recently I spoke with Ronald Duncan from Landcare Research and we discussed how farmers are using the primary industry advisory services offered to them and how the service could be improved to support farmers through change and improving sustainable practices. Have a listen to the interview as it drills into some of the key headwinds our farmers are currently tackling. Hello Rondon, thank you for talking with me today. Thank you Angus. Please can you tell me about the work that you do? I'm a social science researcher at Manaki Whenua Land Care Research. Um, much of my work uh, seeks to understand what facilitates and inhibits the implementation of natural resource policy. So, for example, I've done some research that compared farmers' perspectives on water quality with how the Canterbury Regional Council can perceive the issue. Um, it was apparent from that research that farmers and policymakers have quite different ways of looking at the issue, which was um, an important contribution back in 2014, which is when I did that research, um, as it helped uh, the Zone Committee at the time in particular, and people at um, Environment Canterbury to kind of recognise that everyone wasn't on the same page. Uh, that was a really important piece of research at the time and so it's that kind of thing so trying to think about what works what doesn't work why doesn't something work that kind of thing i understand you have recently completed research for mpi to gain a better understanding of how producers and farmers are using the primary industry advisory services offered to them what was the main objective of this research sure so that that research There's actually a couple of components to that. So we've done a survey and there's also another component which is to come, which is some some focus groups. So with the objective of all of that research um, is to actually hear from producers, so farmers, growers uh, and foresters, hear directly from them what it is that perhaps works for them in the advice that they might be seeking from agricultural consultants, what doesn't work, the challenges that they may may be facing in trying to obtain um, information that they need or advice that they need and what they think is needed to improve the advisory services in um, New Zealand. So this is quite a a unique approach, actually Mm. asking the people that use the service because I think um, historically we've done a lot of assuming about what farmers need and and so this is actually quite a a breath of fresh air in many ways where MPI is actually going, no, actually we're going to ask producers directly what it is that they think is important and what it is they think that that, uh, they need. So it's really cool. What are some of the main things farmers and producers are seeking advice on? Well, that's a really good question. We had quite a a long list, but the the top three were farm environment plans, uh, water quality and use, and biosecurity, which is really interesting in that, um, I mean, those are the three areas that uh, there's been a lot of 
policy change in recently, in particular over the last 10 years, um, and a lot of issues around those particular topics. And so it's very clear that farmers are, have been seeking advice on those topics, which is uh, really important to know. Was there one thing that stood out that farmers and producers are wanting more information or advice on? Well, I, I suppose the top one was farm environment plans. Yeah, and and we, we so we what we did was we asked farmers what advice have, have they been seeking, so that's kind of like a retrospective look. But then we did also ask ask them what they wanted advice on. So in terms of what they wanted advice on, the top one was actually severe weather um, events and climate change, which was really interesting as well. And where are they seeking this advice from? Uh, yes, yeah, so so there was again the top three. So the the internet was the top one. Uh, but also farming magazines. Uh, and the third one was peers and peer support groups. Internet seems like an interesting one because I've always found that if you search long enough on the internet, you'll find the answer that you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, it, it is interesting. And the thing is, is that when we asked where, what, um, you know, the, the level of trust around those sources, the internet was quite low. So it kind of suggests to me that, you know, producers are searching the internet for information that they need but they don't necessarily trust that information so hmm. that kind of opens up a really big question around uh, what advice is needed because farmers are asking questions around particularly in relation to sustainability issues and it kind of indicates that they're not finding that within the advisory system um, which would be more about your consultants and um, industry uh, organisations. Um, so they're going beyond that to look in these other places for this information, but they don't necessarily trust it. So that suggests to me that there's, there's you know, an enormous opportunity here for the advisory system to be uh, making sure that it can provide the expertise around the sustainability issues that uh, farmers are actually really wanting information and advice on. In your findings, what was the most trusted source of information? Uh, so as is often the case, it's always vets. <laughs> vets, it's as we found this in our international um, literature to review as well vets seem to be always a highly trusted source of information and presumably it's always very context specific when you're asking a vet a question um, you, you can get an answer directly it's related to your property it's related to a question that you might have asked but it's also vets are not necessarily always the most um, frequently sourced information or advice providers but yeah vets were, were the uh, the top source there so that was really interesting the next was um, research institutes uh, and then beyond that, we went into peers, uh, accountants and the industry levy body organisations. And those three, the peers, accountants and industry body organisations are probably much more likely to be accessed more regularly than vets and the research institutes, I think. Is consulting peers considered to be an opportunity to gather further information in a trusted environment on a specific subject before seeking further advice? And I ask that because there will be a social element to discussing certain things with fellow farmers as well. Yeah, look, that's such a good question, Angus. You, you've identified something that, that we will definitely be um, trying to fathom through the focus group. So with a survey, you get some broad answers and the, fo the idea of the focus groups is to kind of drill down into those kinds of questions. And I think that's a really important aspect that you've identified, the idea of kind of bouncing things around with your peers before you go and seek some advice. I think that's, yeah, that's such an important thing for us to be exploring. And and because you've got, um, so for example, a lot of the industry bodies have been setting up these peer support groups, you know, you might argue, well, you know, everyone's just kind of getting together and having a chat, but maybe their role is very much around bouncing around ideas um, and allowing people to kind of think through what might be a good idea, what might be worth pursuing and what might not be, and then going and seeking advice. So I think that's a role that those peer groups might not be recognised as playing. And so that's something that I'll definitely be um, 
uh, talking to people about through our focus group. So I uh, thank you for that. I find that quite interesting, with farmers being quite isolated in many instances, that social aspect of shooting the breeze across the fence or over a beer can add real value on many levels. And of course, getting off farm is just one of those things. And then, of course, gathering information and then perhaps seeking out expert advice in the form of a professional service of some kind. Yeah, yeah. And no, I, I just think that's such an important aspect of this. And you know, I mean, again, from a policy perspective, I think that there's this expectation that these peer support groups or peers are going to somehow miraculously change um, other farmers' behaviour. But, you know, it's, as I'm thinking this through, it just seems that, you know, perhaps that's not their role at all. It's actually, it is this shooting the breeze, just testing ideas, seeing what you've done. Has it worked for you? Has it worked not? And that just seems to be, yeah, just a really important role and, and certainly an argument for continuing to support those kinds of interactions. Do you think there's a disconnect between urban and rural populations? I do, in that particularly when it comes to the amount of change that has had to happen on farms over the past perhaps decade. Um, recognising, you know, there's so many challenges and things coming from so many directions um, for the people on farms and everyone's trying to keep up. And, yeah, I'm just not sure that the urban population realises exactly what has to happen on a farm and, and how change happens. And so I think there's certainly a disconnection around expectations of what's possible and demands around how long change takes and generational change and and how you actually engage with people and um, work with them rather than against them. I think there's a real, yes, some real challenges there. Most will agree there is always more to be done in the sustainability area. Do you think farmers have improved their practices over, say, the last 30 years? Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, it depends on what practices you're talking about, I suppose. But farming has been changing. It's changing all the time. I think there's, again, people kind of think, oh, you know, we're going to get them to change now. Well, actually, they've been changing all the time. And whether it's technology, whether it's different practices, different ways of doing things, optimization, all of those things going on all the time. I do think, though, that given a lot of, you know, changes in expectations around environmental values and markets have been a wake-up call and a lot of practices have changed, certainly in the last 10 years uh, around, particularly, you know, in relation to addressing water quality issues. The problem that we have is this lag between, you know, change on the land and and when it actually ends up in a waterway in terms of algae or something that people Mm. can see, you know, is what we can see, is it getting better or getting worse? I mean, the thing is, we don't necessarily know. That's a really big challenge to explain to people. And I suppose on the one hand, people are saying, well, you know, what's in the post, if you like, so what's coming through is going to be even worse than what we've got now. And that's that's a terrifying prospect. There's also people that would say, well, what's coming through is actually going to be better because we've changed a lot of practices. Um, you know, it, it's just so hard to know. So how that uncertainty is dealt with is, is really important. You know, people... You know, a right to be concerned. But to say that nothing is changing is just not correct. And there's been a lot of change and a lot of people, and, and it's clear through this survey that, you know, people, farmers are seeking a lot of advice on, on the issues that are of concern to people in the urban environments and certainly to them as well. I mean, to, to I, you know, farmers drink the water that, that they live within. Um, and they also want to make sure that things are done properly, but they don't want to be railroaded and they do expect 
appropriate timelines. If sustainability and environmental concerns are the top of the list for farmers wanting more information on, mm, and that says are. to me that yes, indeed, there's been change over time, but also it's front and centre of their minds in order for them to work towards increasing sustainability and their environmental practices. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the primary industry advisory services system, which is this amalgam, if you like, of research, advisors, um, consultants, accountants, all of these people that are industry bodies, this system um, is has been in the past very much geared towards production. We want more production. You know, this has been the narrative um, for many decades Um increasing production, productivity, efficiency. And we went into this research kind of hearing from people that that's that's what we do. That's what the advisors do. That's what people want to hear. But this survey actually counters that. It it is showing exactly what you said, which is that farmers are absolutely seeking advice on the things that um, are around more around sustainability rather than productivity. And you wouldn't want to do one without the other. It's really a both. But um, that's been a really surprising finding from this research. And it does demonstrate, as you say, that farmers have sustainability aspects of their production front and centre. And they're not, as is the current way the system is structured, um, seeing these things as mutually exclusive. They're not productivity and sustainability um, from what we're seeing here is, um, yeah, quite a connected thing and we need to now work out how we get the primary advisors advisory sector system um, more tailored to what it is that farmers are seeking which was not what we were expecting to hear yes they have to be a marriage made in heaven yep. they have to be sustainable equally they have to be profitable so how important in your view is the primary industry to new zealand particularly now that we are staring down the barrel of a recession due to COVID 19 yeah Well, obviously it's crucial, I mean, for issues of identity and culture, Um, but the COVID-19 dilemma is uh, creating all sorts of um, challenges, but for for so many sectors, but, you know, agriculture will carry on. Uh, We all need to eat. Food is central. It's also central, agriculture is central, not only to food, um, but also the education sector, uh, tourism. And so, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely central, so... I'm sure it's going to continue to do what it does and, and, you know, the sustainability aspects of that just need to be pushed because they're going to reap rewards, I think. Thank you very much for your time today, Ronan. Pleasure, Angus. Thank you very much for the opportunity to have a chat to you. You know, the challenge we have in this country is a previous government signed up to the Paris Agreement, which means we have significant environmental targets to reach. Although New Zealand's agriculture emissions are a very small number globally, as a farming trading nation, agriculture accounts for around 50% of New Zealand's total emissions. As I've said many, many times, there is a long-held belief that farmers will continue to keep taking the heat because they are strong and resilient, or that farmers will simply just keep taking punches to the stomach and are an easy target. That may be so, to a certain degree but everyone has a limit and I think that limit was breached when no consideration was given to farmers when announcement was made their farm utes would not be exempt from the government's vehicle tax scheme. As it currently stands a farmer has no alternative to the vehicles they operate for their businesses. You have to question the thought process current policymakers are having and one could question their ability to understand the practical barriers and costs such actions impose, particularly when no alternatives are currently available. 
I've spent months and months talking about all sorts of things, including freshwater reforms and indeed SNAs and climate change. So I won't keep beating that drum today. And in fairness, we have seen some sense and practical solutions applied retrospectively with fresh water, which I mentioned earlier in the show, which does provide a glimmer of hope. Farmers, and as I've said many, many times, have had a guts full. I am all but convinced current policymakers have little to no understanding of how farming businesses actually work. And clearly, the importance of farmers to this country is lost on the beehive. As I said last week, farmers, your future is in your hands, and I think your voices were well and truly heard over the weekend. Keep up the good fight. I certainly will be. That's all from me this week. Thank you for listening, and catch you next time on Factor Magri.